Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I am Jake Litarski, joined today by John Litterine. If you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at John Litterine. That's J O N L I T T E R I N E. You can follow me at JakeSki52. Today, John and I are going to be making our fantasy picks for the biggest fights of UFC 212 Aldo versus Holloway in Brazil here this weekend. Uh, let's see, John, to get things going. Uh, we were treated to a pretty excellent main event in Stockholm on Sunday, the rare Sunday uh, MMA, afternoon morning MMA, if you're here in Central or Eastern time, I guess. Uh, and I mean, Alexander Gustafsson put the beat down here on Glover Teixeira. I mean, how does this whole performance affect the light heavyweight title picture in your eyes? Well, I think it pretty much tells us what we already knew before, and that is that Alexander Gustafsson at um, the very worst is the third best light heavyweight in the world, mm-hmm. um, which with uh, Anthony Johnson's retirement, 
Uh, I think pretty everyone pretty much thought that anyway. But his performance over a, a quality opponent in Gorb share really proved that unless something unforeseen happens, I think it's pretty clear he's going to get the winner of the upcoming John Jones and Daniel Cormier rematch. I just don't see anything else that makes sense in the least. How do you think he fares in those potential matchups? I mean, Gustafson facing off against those two were two of the best fights in light heavyweight history in the promotion here. Do you think Gustafson can has a chance to get over the hump here with, you know, with Jones being off for some time and maybe DC getting a little bit earlier any differently at all? Yeah, you know, he, he fought well against both of them. I, so I certainly wouldn't count him out. He was by far the most competitive fight John Jones has ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar body type. Big, tall guy, long reach, long legs, long arms. Mm-hmm. And that gave Jones trouble. Uh, I definitely think he is a threat to beat any of those guys. He he gets hit a little... Gustafson gets hit a little too much for my liking. That's more of an issue against Jones than it is against Cormier, who's more wrestling-based. But on the other hand, Gustafson has shown numerous times that he can get... He can take a beating and uh, keep on ticking. So I would certainly give him, you know, a halfway decent chance against either guy. Yeah. Now, uh, Glover Teixeira, I mean, Gustafson was able to fend off his takedown attempts so well. So now I don't want to say easily, but that would bode well for a potential matchup against DC, I think, who, like you said, is the wrestling uh, space. But we did get interesting news today. Uh, The the UFC has added... uh, uh, a fight here. They've added Jimmy Manua uh, essentially to the UFC 214 cards. So if anything were to happen to Jones or if anything were to happen to DC, who barely made weight for his last fight, at least Jimmy Manua was on the card and the main event will still be saved. Yeah, I, I think that was the ongoing plan all along. Uh, there were rumors even before this fight that he was kind of going to be the on call guy. Mm-hmm. And if Jones or DC screw up leading up to that fight, uh, the UFC is going to be a lot more worried about saving their main event than they are about saving an undercard fight. So I'm sure they would just scrap that and put Manua against whatever guy doesn't get his act together. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like a good plan. I know Dana said he was never going to put Jones in a main event, but this is kind of the ca- caveat to that. Either way, looking forward to an exciting summer of fights. But the first uh, pay-per-view card here in June is uh, going down here, and we're going to start kick off by uh, talking about the main event, in which we get Jose Aldo against Max Holloway. They're both priced identically on DraftKings, uh, both $8,100, so both are less than the average per fighter that you have, so that's encouraging a little bit, but these odds are about as close to a pick as you're getting. Most recent time I looked is Aldo at about minus 115, Holloway about minus 110, money moving back and forth. Very, very close fight, John. How do you see this one breaking down? Uh, pretty much like you said, very, very close all the way across the board. Um, I'm willing to listen to an argument on either guy. Uh, you know, the thing Holloway, uh, excuse me, the thing Aldo has going for him is, other than his loss to Daniel, uh, to Conor McGregor, which, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. maybe not the fact he lost was a fluke, but the way it happened was a fluke. You know, you're not going to see a guy walk across the cage and knock Jose Aldo out in 13 seconds ever again. Mm-hmm. So the way it went down was a fluke. You know, he might have lost anyway, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But the way it happened was a fluke. Well, that's the and, tough part. That's how a lot of casual fans remember Aldo. They don't remember the guy who has won all of the rest of his 17 UFCWEC fights combined. If you, you're right. And if had Aldo won the McGregor fight, he would by far again... Be the best pound for pound fighter in the world. Yeah, he'd be ahead of Mighty Mouse at this point. You know, just... he, he would, and if for no other reason, then 
other than the McGregor loss, Josie Aldo's last loss other than that was November 26, 2005. Mm-hmm. And he was able to rebound very well from the McGregor loss uh, when he fought Frankie Edgar at UFC 200. Pretty much took care of him with a unanimous decision um, over a fight that Aldo was very much in control. And we saw what Edgar did to the likes of Yair Rodriguez at, at UFC 211 here. I mean, Aldo's just a very respectable um, legendary fighter, really, that people don't always necessarily give him that credit for. Absolutely is. And the other thing that everybody has to keep in mind when you're talking about Aldo is this insane, I'm not counting McGregor, but you know, this insane run he's been on over the course of his UFC career and WEC career, he spent almost the entire time fighting the best fighters in the world. If you look at the guys he has faced, he has not faced a scrub fighter in I'm looking at it at least, you know, upwards of a decade, at least seven, eight, nine years easily. So, you know, maybe he would have lost the McGregor fight anyway, but the way it happened was a fluke. And like you said, how he rebounded against Frankie Edgar was absolutely amazing because Frankie Edgar, without a doubt, is also one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. And um, although, again, just handed him and was in control the whole entire time. Now, he gets a little bit of a different kind of opponent coming up here in Max Holloway. And if there's one thing, Max Holloway deserves to be in this spot. Mm-hmm. Um, Ten victories in a row for Holloway. I know we started talking a lot about Aldo, but we got to give this Holloway guy credit where credit is due. Yep, more absolutely deserves it. In that streak, Cub Swanson, Charles Oliveira, Jeremy Stevens, Ricardo Lamas, Anthony Pettis, so you certainly can't say Holloway has built his reputation on beating nobodies either. He deserves to be here. And when it's close like this, we say all the time, you start looking for things that you know might make a difference. One of the things to keep in mind here, the fight is in Brazil. Um, that you would think would favor Aldo. Um, it, it affects some guy. Some guys let it bother them. Some guys totally block it out and don't think about it in the least. You know, one of those things you don't know until they get in there. How Holloway is going to handle what is by obviously up until this point, the interim title fight against Anthony Pettis was his biggest fight to date. Now, certainly this is his biggest fight to date. There is little separating these two guys. Holloway has um, the height advantage uh, about four inches. Mm-hmm. Aldo, despite yep. being shorter, has a one-inch reach advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, there is little separation here. The reason I picked Aldo is because I have more strength in his ability and his striking defense than Holloway's. And if you look at the numbers, they've both been in the UFC for a long time, so he's, this isn't a small sample size. Holloway absorbs about 3.75 stri- uh, significant strikes a minute. Aldo is just over two which is one of 2.09 significant strikes absorbed a minute, which is a sensational number. That's about as good as you'll ever see from a high-level fighter, especially one who's been in the as long as Aldo has. Yeah, the numbers seem to think, like, okay, you look at significant strikes per minute, maybe, uh, maybe someone like Holloway could be, you might think on the onset, a little bit better of a DraftKings play, but then you compare that to Aldo, whose striking defense is just is so well, it's just so quality, so so very good that I don't think uh, 
Holiday's or Holloway's going to be able to quite match that pace here. And and John, I agree with you. I'm going to pick Aldo in this one as well. Not to discount Max Holloway. I think this one could go either way. This is one of the toughest fights that I've ever had to pick since we started doing MMA on Rotowire. But I think I'm going to go with Aldo here, the established veteran here who, in his home country, maybe has a few more ways to win. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give this one to Aldo as well. But but man, this is a close one, and and it's tough to use these guys in a DraftKings lineup. It's just risky. So I can see why both of them are below kind of the average price uh, per fighter that you get in your lineup. Yeah, and a fight that I can easily see going the distance to. Mm-hmm. Um, two guys that are durable. Um, and, you know, this is just, I think we're both not we're both picking Aldo, not because of anything we have against Holloway. Not that we think Holloway's bad or not really good, just because we think Aldo, you know, is still at age, I believe he's 30, um, one of the top fighters in the game. Yeah, and Scarface definitely has a lot left in the tank here as he continues his fighting career, no doubt about that. Let's move on to a co-main event, though, where we've got a essentially, you know, arguably a number one contender fight here in the women's strawweight division. We've got Claudia Gedalia stacking up against Karolina Kowalkovich. The DraftKings salaries have, you know, they kind of match up with the odds in this one. Gedalia is 9,000, Kowalkovich 7,200 only. Gedalia right around a minus 300 favorite, whereas Kowalkovich plus 235. Odds to finish in this one are plus 240, so the odds makers do see this one going the distance here. Um, does Cadelia's price and, and favorite kind of match up with how you see this fight going? It does because I think she has a significant upper body strength advantage. And I think she is going to be able to muscle takedowns on Carolina and just grind this thing out, for lack of a better word. Um, Carolina's takedown defense over a course of her UFC career is almost 90%, which is terrific. But she hasn't faced anyone with Gedalia's pure strength. She just has brute upper body strength to the point where she can score and rack up takedowns uh, without her positioning and her hands and her leg positioning being in the right spot because she's just so damn strong. And the biggest concern I have about Claudia uh, Gedalia, and I've said it before, is her cardio, and that would impact whether I would pick her in a five-round fight, but it's not going to impact whether I pick her in a three-round fight. And her fights against um, champion Joanna and Jacek, uh, Gadella looked very good in both of those fights early. Mm-hmm. Um, she gassed out a little bit towards the end and got, got hit a little too much towards the end. But any prayer Carolina has of winning this fight is going to involve her keeping her opponent off of her. Um, and she might be able to defend four of the first five, or five of the first seven or whatever, but I'm just really worried that once Claudia secures a takedown, she's going to grind her out for three and four and five minutes at a time. Exactly. And I could see a fight where this is a 15-minute fight. When this is all said and done, you look at the final stats, and Claudia has something like, eight or nine or ten minutes worth of control time. And in which case, if Carolina isn't on her feet letting shots go and throwing combinations, she's not going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at this point, you know, if it, if it does go to the judges, uh, me even Gedalia might have an advantage there. But I can see that at least two of these three rounds, exactly like you said, John Gedalia is probably going to be able to get that takedown in one way or another. I th- there might be one round where Kowalkovich can escape. 
the takedown attempts and maybe land a couple shots in. But I have confident enough in Gedalia to get it done and ride her out for two of those three rounds, in which case uh, she'd be able to get the decision. So it might not be the most attractive fantasy play. She's priced at 9000 so you have to be banking on that. Pretty sure you're getting those points from the takedowns and passing guards. She's not going to knock up a ton of fantasy points in the striking department here, but you're hoping for the win. You're hoping for those grappling points. And, uh, you know, I, I I don't think she's a bad play, but I think for around 9000 or in that $9,000 range, we might be able to find a couple better plays as we move down the card here. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, John, yeah, I'm with you. I know it doesn't make for the greatest banter here, but I think we're both on, on Gedalia for this one. And, and I think uh, out of all the fights, well, there's one other fight on the pay-per-view card that uh, might be a little bit more lopsided. But this is, uh, at least according to the books makers, we have a little bit of a lopsided matchup here. The question is then, what does what happens in the strawweight division if Gedalia wins? I don't think there's a whole lot of of appeal in Gedalia in Jacek three, is there? You know what? I think there is, but I don't think it's something that the UFC would want to run back right away. But that's another division, just like the featherweight division, where Mighty Mouse is running through everybody. Mm-hmm. They're running out of options. Yes, Joanna is just rolling through people and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mighty Mouse Demetrius Johnson, as we've talked about here on b- before, his markability is getting crushed because he just disposes of everyone so easily. I mean, and what's the guy supposed to do? You know, he's not going to not win fights, but um, it's tough. It's tough. Um, I don't really know what they're going to do. I picked just Khan Drogge against Joanna a couple weeks ago, and I was dead wrong. Joanna just changed her game plan to fight someone who – uh, you know, has the strength to beat her and just made it look easy. So um, I think I'm at the point where now, where there are a couple of people like that, John Jones is one, Mighty Mass is another, where you just pick them until they lose, pretty much, is the point we're at there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But until then, in the meantime, we'll get this top contender event. Should be, hopefully, a relatively quality fight. You, you know, even, I'm not quite sure something like this belongs in, in the co-main of a pay-per-view, but uh, that's what we're going to get here when we get such a quality main event. But let's move down to the next bout on the pay-per-view card. We've got a almost a quote-unquote legend fight of sorts here. Vitor Belfort is going to be welcoming Nate Marquardt to Brazil. Both of these guys pretty clearly past their prime, I think we can safely say. And Belfort checks in as a slight favorite in both the Vegas odds and DraftKings prices. Belfort minus 150, Marquardt plus 130, according to Vegas. Belfort 8400 on DraftKings, Marquardt 7800 on DraftKings. Odds to finish on this one, lad. Those move around quite a bit, but the last time I checked was uh, minus 675. So, you know, the, the bookmakers are, are pretty much saying that this one's going to end in an early stoppage. Do you agree, John? Um, yeah, I do. And basically, this for you, I'm sure most everybody listening knows, is supposed to be Vitor Belfort's retirement fight. Now, there were reports coming out over the last couple of days and just actually a few minutes ago. Our friends at MMAfighting.com um, tweeted out, this is actually not the last fight on Bell for his UFC contract. He has one more after this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sounding like for this was built up and it, forever, up when, as soon as the fight was announced, mm-hmm. was being built up as Vitor's last fight. Yeah, his retirement fight. It's kind of sounding like it's fading away from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nothing's been officially said either way, but it kind of, it's kind of sounding like, um, that might not be the case now, mm-hmm. but 
that's not really going to change my and my breaking down of this fight. And my basic breakdown of this fight is that there's no way to tell what's going to happen. It's two guys who, like you said, are past their prime. And if anyone has seen Vitor fight over the last, I don't know, what are we going on, two years now or something? Mm-hmm. He goes full bore the first, I don't know, two minutes, something like that, two and a half minutes, three minutes in that area. And if he gets you in that initial blitz, he can beat you. If he doesn't score and stop you early, he's not going to win. Now, I actually think that initial blitz might be enough to beat Markle. It's not going to beat anyone good, you know, anyone. It's not going to beat any top middleweight, but it could beat a guy who has whatever he has, 55 professional fights under his belt or something like that. Mm-hmm. The point yeah. is both, both of these guys, and I wrote in our preview article, I wrote this. They sh- I think they should both retire no matter what happens. I thought for a while, and I know we both did, that this was it for Belfort either way. Now it's kind of trending towards that might not be the case, like we said. But as far as Markard goes, I I think he should walk either way. I don't think he's going to, but because he's given no indication, but I think he should walk either way. I pick Belfort. It's in Brazil, and I think maybe that initial flurry can finish Markard, but I, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's such a toss up, and you know when I when I look back at it, I, I'm inclined to lean towards Belfort for the same reason. I think going out there with the with the crowd behind him. Uh, you know, really pumping him up. I think uh, that's going to motivate his flurry quite a bit. And yeah, looking at Marcourt, I mean, two and two in his last four, two and four in his last six. Uh, he's just he hasn't had it for quite some time here. And and hats off for going to going over to Brazil to meet someone like Belfort. But uh, I, I'm not quite sure he has it. But this it could be a potential value on DraftKings because you know the odds makers say that uh, this fight could is very, very likely to end in a stoppage either way. And whether it's Belfort and that initial flurry, flurry or Marquardt a little bit later on once Belfort tires himself out, who knows? So there could be some some fantasy value to find in this fight if you call it correctly here. But, yeah, I, I, I'm with you also with the retirement thing, John, because, you know, Belfort we thought was going to... I think personally what he was going to do is 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 maybe go to Ryzen or somewhere overseas where he can get back on the testosterone replacement therapy that is outlawed in the UFC that he used pretty much for the majority of his career. You can see a pretty uh, visual difference between him before and after that, and of course he's no longer on it. But at the same time, I, I do think he's got enough in the tank with the home crowd behind him to hand one to Marquardt here. And, and if you do agree with that, 8,400 is very affordable on DraftKings. Uh, it is risky because of the uncertainty factor, but if you do get that knockdown and that initial flurry, uh, he could he could be in for a good fantasy day. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to throw your salary on Marquardt and just hope he can finish Vitor if Vitor can't finish him, mm-hmm. I think there are worse ideas. Mm-hmm. I think it might be trying to if you're using this fight on DraftKings, it might almost be more for the tournament type lineup where you're going to try to pick the five, six earliest knockouts of the night and, and be a little bit more risky. A cash game where you're just trying to finish in the top half or or even a head to head, picking this fight might be a little risky because there's a very good chance one of these fights is going to end up in the five to fifteen fantasy point range, and that completely cripples a lineup so there's a there is an element of risk to that but there are certain strategies building lineup building strategies in which maybe you could consider using one of these fighters here but let's move on here to another fight in the middleweight division john we've got a matchup between uh paulo boracina and oluwali bangbose uh drafting salaries here as boracina at 9200 bangbose 7000 
Boracina, massive Vegas favorite, minus 335. Bang Bose, plus 275. Odds to finish on this one, even more so than the middleweight fight uh, between Belfort and Marquardt. It's looking at about minus 750 odds to finish last time I checked here. Um, this fight probably has no business being on the on a, on a pay-per-view card, but I think UFC brass is thinking, okay, we have a lackluster card. Maybe we'll give the fans an exciting stoppage uh, on the pay-per-view portion, uh, something like that, right? Yep, sounds about right to me. And um, this is pretty much a way to try and maximize Borchina's Brazilian connection, um, I think, and just put him on the main card of pay-per-view against an easy opponent and hope he gets an early knockout, really. I think that's just what their plan is. Um, undefeated, 9-0 professional record for the Brazilian. I believe all, actually I know, all nine of those wins were first-round stoppages. Eight of the nine were first-round knockouts. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, the guy has an insane amount of power. Only one of those fights in the UFC. But um, they're definitely just putting him here, hoping that they can maximize the potential of a 26-year-old kid who certainly has some long-term potential. Absolutely. And, so I mean, uh, do you, would you say that uh, at 9,200 on DraftKings, he's a pretty safe bet to get in your lineup? Do you like him like him enough that you would use him even, even in those uh, even in cash game lineups? Yeah, I do because I think a lot of it, it's hard to ever bet on an early stoppage. It's a hard way to make a living as far as these kind of lineups. But when I do, I, I think you have to look at the quality of the opponent. A guy could have a ton of power and be knocking people out left and right, but if you're facing a good opponent, at the very least, the quality opponent will probably be able to delay the inevitable, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Oluwale Bambose is not, you know, I, I, I don't, sounds derogatory, call him roster death, but, you know, there's there's not a whole lot going on there. So mm-hmm. He's um, probably just not someone that you're going to see on the main card of a pay-per-view outside of the outside of this unique situation in which he's going against a Brazilian in his own co- home country. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a good way to put it. And um, like you said, this is not a deep card, and this is probably, I mean, this is, I, uh, this could, to me at least on the surface, be a fight pass fight, to be perfectly honest with you. But, um, you know, you got to fill, like I said, they hold too many events. We say this every time we talk. And they got to fill these fights. They got to fill out cards somehow. And... If you know you're gonna try and go for a knockout, a guy who has eight first round knockouts and nine career fights is usually a good way to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, I would agree with you, and I think that's why we're both kind of leaning towards the big favorite in this one here, John. Uh, let's move on to another fight. Uh, we're gonna skip over the, uh, the the Silva fight here, the Silva uh, Medeiros, I believe, in the uh, to kick off the pay per view card because uh, I think you and me both can agree that the prelim finale on FS1 is a significantly higher quality bout when we get uh, former champ uh, Rafael Asuncao against Marlon Moraes, uh, World Series fighting product, I believe. Uh, you know, DraftKings and Vegas both have Moraes as a favorite at 8,700, Asuncao 7,500, Moraes a minus 175 favorite. How do you see this one going down, John? This, to me, is the second best fight on the entire card other than the main event. Um, we, when we spoke uh, the last pay-per-view about how we were both really excited to see how David Branch did uh, mm-hmm. um, when he fought Christoph Jocko a couple weeks ago, a guy who was, a in Branch's case, a multiple weight class champion from the World Series of Fighting. Branch won his fight. It was tough, you know, tough, close fight, but Branch won. 
And now you're going to see a guy in Marlon Marais who is even more highly regarded, um, long viewed as one of the top bantamweights in the world, not just um, not just outside the UFC, but just anywhere, really. And this goes back to the age-old question of guys making a name for themselves in weak organizations. And Marais has developed quite a reputation, but he's developed that reputation beating nobody's, more or less. And he's going to get a real test in Rafael Sunsau, who um, is coming off a split decision win over Aljamain Sterling. Good close fight. Um, but again, Rafael Sunsau has lost one fight in the last six and a half years. Mm-hmm. That was TJ Dillashaw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, this is one of the, the few fights on, on the main card, at least the ones we're picking, where I think uh, we're going to be each heading in a little bit different uh, direction because I really do think that Asuncio, uh you know, getting that kind of tune-up back after the layoff here against Sterling and then um, and then just being in his home country again. I don't want to overvalue the Brazil factor a little bit, but it does come into play whenever the card goes to the judges a little bit, whether you know we like to admit it or not all the time. Um, but, uh, but I do think Asuncio has maybe a little bit of cha- a better chance to win this than what the odds indicate. And I'm not sure I'd advocate a DraftKings lineup, especially if it is a decision, but I think uh, the grappling and jiu-jitsu of Asuncio might end up being a factor if he can get it to the ground. It certainly could be. And the thing I really like about Marais is he's good everywhere. He is one of, and we you hear that a lot, but he's one of those rare guys who can win a fight in any area. And it's really tough to project how these guys are going to look when they come to a new organization. But a guy with an all around game certainly, I think, has a better chance of succeeding than uh, a one dimensional fighter. Like, for example, Justin Gaethje, who fights Michael Johnson at, I believe, the Ultimate Fighter finale, finale coming up. I will not be taking Gaethje in that fight, and I'll tell you, because he's just a one-dimensional guy who stands in banks. And you can't do that against really good fighters in the best organization in the world. So um, I like I pick Marais in this fight, but I'd certainly be willing to listen to an argument that a Sun Sal at 7,500 is a better value play because that is a really low price for a really good opponent. Yeah, and in any kind of DraftKings lineup, you do have to find your lower salary people, and and I, I think for me, it will be a Sun Sao, you know, starting with the home country factor and, the, and then moving on from there, but I mean, man, Marais is going to be a, a tough opponent for him here, and, and this will kind of dictate, I think, the rest of his Sun Sao's career uh, as to which direction, if he's heading towards, back towards the title picture or... or back towards the middling of the rankings here so we'll see from there but either way good fight good free fight to kick off or to wrap up the fs1 prelims here this saturday all right john on to the rest of the card or i guess whether it's one that we've talked about or one uh, that we that we haven't necessarily dialed in on specifically but are there any DraftKings value plays on the card that stand out to you um i think jamie moyle at 7900 against uh vivian Perea is a decent play moyle just a solid, competent strawweight. Not a great athlete, but um, you know, respectable everywhere. Um, and Johnny Eduardo against Matthew Lopez. Lopez has been really, really good of late, so I understand why he's a favorite. But Eduardo's a talented guy, has the Brazilian thing going on, like we've talked about a couple times in some of the other fights, and at 7,600 and plus 180, pretty decent value. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I especially like the Moyo pick because, you know, numbers-wise, she lands 4.87 significant strikes per minute, whereas um, Pereira absorbs more than three per minute. So I think, uh, you know, these straw weights are very tough to get finishes, but uh, you could rack up striking points over a three-round fight, and if she's able to get the fin- or decision, uh, who knows there. The one other play that stood out for me, John, um, I, we didn't go into this fight specifically. This is the one that kicks off the pay-per-view card. I think Eric Silva at 8,000 on DraftKings is a somewhat decent play. Now, I know he's technically the underdog here in that matchup against Yancey Medeiros, but he, over his career... Averaging 10 more fantasy points per fight than Medeiros. Uh, I mean, he's he's under the average price per fighter, so technically he's one of those upsets you can get in, in your lineup. And then I, I'm going to give Silva a little bit of an experience edge, maybe a little bit better camp here at King's MMA. And I wouldn't be surprised if the money comes in and he ends up actually being the betting favorite. And then, of course, you got that hometown crowd behind him. So I think Silva's a decent play to kind of fill in your lineup and free up some salary if you're going to go after some of those 9,000 to 9,200 favorites. Yeah, I mean, Eric Silva is a guy who has all the physical talent in the world and has just never been able to do anything consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, One of these days, he's going to... And he's shown that he can get those quick highlight real finishes and you look at this guy and you say why the heck isn't this guy you know ranked higher and why can't it's because he just can't get any consistency together mm-hmm. but he certainly has the ability to, on a fight by fight basis be that impressive guy and um you know make a statement so i think that's a good pick too yeah yeah the history back there i mean took a tough uh you know, was got knocked out by Norden Talib, lost a tough split decision in Neil Magny. I uh, was knocked out by Matt Brown and Dong Hyun Kim, but these are pretty good names. And then you mix that in, he's got a guillotine submission victory over Josh Kachek in there. Um, so I mean, he's he's been around there for a while, and and that's why I give him the experience edge in his home country there. So I think that's just uh, one to watch out for here. Yeah, um, he and certainly has an explosiveness factor too. He is an explosive athlete and. When you're trying to pick upsets, you know, that's one of the things you certainly look at. Guys who can do that and can get that quick finish out of nowhere. And no one has ever doubted Eric Silva's athletic ability. So if you think, um, you know, this might be the right time uh, where he can get together and get a stoppage, you know, certainly a good flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Here, what about um, this? Is just kind of you know a fun question, maybe not necessarily fantasy related here, but you know outside of the main event, which uh, you know I could answer as well. But uh, and what's the fight on this card that you're the most excited to see? It's definitely the Mariah Sunset fight. Mm-hmm. I have I I'm always fascinated when you get a chance to see guys from different organizations who were um, top guys in other organizations come to the UFC and see how they do. And some guys really, really do well with it. And it's like, oh, no wonder he was considered so highly rated. And then we see other guys come over and, wait, what was what were we talking about? Why did anybody have it, uh, high hopes for that guy at all? He's horrible. Mm-hmm. So I'm always excited when you get a chance. Kind of like a, I don't want to say a dream matchup type thing, but it's always good when you have seemingly two organizations, um, you know, come together and, you get a guy who was viewed as the top organization. You're wondering, is this guy really a top guy, or did he just make his name beating up a bunch of nobodies? And I, I like when we get to see that and finally get our answer to that. Mm-hmm. Also helps you gauge very much what uh, you know what the 
I guess artists formerly known as World Series of Fighting, what those top guys are worth. Of course, they're going to turn to the Pro Fighters League, and we've seen a few of the top guys jump over. I'm very excited for that one here. And, you know, I guess the magic of the Balfour part fight is starting to wane on me a little bit just because chances are it's not his last fight after all. But I always like to see those exciting blitzes. So that's one that I'll certainly be tuned in for. Uh, you know, I'll be tuned in ever since the FS1 prelims, even though there are some gaps in this fight card where it may not be the most exciting. But uh, but overall, I think uh, I think fans will, ev- will eventually get their money's worth, maybe catching a couple stoppages. And then there's just this spectacular Aldo Holloway fight that uh, is just going to be a treat for fans to watch. Uh, one of the best fights that they've made all year long, John. Yeah, it definitely will. And again, uh, uh just because it's not a fight that might impact the title picture, so to say, you know, that doesn't mean it's not going to be as entertaining as all heck. So, um, you know, these are quality fights from, I think from an action point of view, they just not be, might not be a ton of them that, you know, are going to impact who's going to fight for the title in their respective division next or anything. Yep, very strategically placed on the card. Of course, remember Anderson Silva was supposed to fight Kelvin Gastelum on this card, but that one kind of got scrapped due to Gastelum's uh, positive test there. Next step for, um, well, I guess next step for Gastelum, he's going to fight Chris Weidman. Next step for Anderson Silva, to be determined here. Well, that's going to wrap things up for today's Mixed Martial Arts podcast, sponsored by DraftKings here. Uh, John Littering. Give him a follow on Twitter, excellent MMA analyst here. You can follow him at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. I'm Jake Letarski. Follow me at jakeski52. John, we're going to be back prior to UFC 213 International Fight Week, Nunes versus Shevchenko. Until then, take care and enjoy the fights this weekend. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. You bet. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.